Welcome to episode 9 of Winging It, and it's the Marathon March special. Yes, we're coming to your ears during an international break. Shock horror. Um, I'm having to pay Heskip and Albert extra for this. Yeah. Sorry, extra what? <laughs> I'll let you have a beer. Oh, it's funny because I thought I paid for this. <laughs> what beer did you go for? What did you call it? Pacifier. Pacifier. Pacific. Oh, Pacific nice. It's not, um, you're not running up your tab, are you, Albert? That's what yeah. it is. And then you, you put the invoice in at the end of the season, I think. Well, maybe that's how it goes, yeah. Yeah. I've, um, Last beer before the march. Mm, this one might still be fueling me come the march. Um, I've got a daya. It's 8%. <laughs> Kinetic sand. As in, I want to bury my head in the kinetic sand and pretend that this marathon march isn't happening. <laughs> but here we are. Um, later on in the show, we're going to be talking to um, Bobby Webb and Emma Christmas from the Palace for Life Foundation about the march. Brilliant chat with them for about half Therefore, an hour. Is it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, really, really good chat with them. Really, um, really enjoyed talking to them. And uh, yeah, I, th- I think you guys should enjoy listening to it. Some of the work that the Paz for Life Foundation do, what you can expect on a marathon March day, that sort of stuff. And um, little teaser: Bobby's dad might have done the Mitsubishi Halftime Challenge back in the day, which is um, obviously a favourite of this show. Uh, but first, should we touch on Forest a bit? Uh, still semi-relevant. Still semi-relevant. It's just whether I can remember any of it. I was going to say the same, yeah. (laughs) Well, we were in the fan zone before the game, having some beers, exchanging Kevin Miller books. Yeah, which got Uh, a lot more interest than you would imagine, (laughs) to be honest. We're all there slagging off the book and someone turns around and says, my second cousin's married to Kevin Miller or something like that. (laughs) Yeah, shout out any of the Langley family that are listening. Um, was I there for that? Yeah. I don't remember that. I don't know if you're... Too busy, too busy reading it. Too, exactly. You were immersed. Wondering just who asked for this book to be written as you were leaving <laughs> through the page. And who printed it, mainly? Well, I think we established probably Kevin Miller in his own house. <laughs> <laughs> mm. On his dot matrix printer. So, I mean, there's a good chance... This will be our next international break. I, I'm sorry, I need to stop. This beer, <laughs> it tastes like, I don't know, like licorice or something. What? Wow. What a, what a way to make it sound even worse. I mean, um, El Dorado, Idaho 7, and Azaka come, from, come together to create a juicy DIPA. So that's the thing, like, you, you read that, I've got no idea what it's, gonna, what it's supposed to taste like. So if it tastes like licorice, then I suppose it's... Ah, yes, yes, Idaho 7. Yes, I'm getting that now, actually. Mm. <laughs> For a minute there, I thought it was Idaho 6. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I'm going to struggle to get through this. Mm. What, Much the pod? Like Miller's the book. <laughs> <laughs> all, all, all of it. At the pod, Miller's All the book. march. Mm. yeah indeed um but yeah forest i quite enjoyed it as far as a nil nil goes given um i was fully on the respect the point train given oh yeah the amount of injuries and so on and yeah had a had a bet on nil nil as well which made it extra joyous bringing in bringing in some cash um but there was putting it in the are you putting it in the palace for life um i I put it in sort of three pots on the weekend after the game the victory the portland arms and morley's (laughs) it's basically the three pots it went into um but i mean that's 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 supporting south london in a way (laughs) although i still haven't forgiven morley's because i'm still blocked by their twitter so they're not not getting my money I didn't think about that until after. I forgot that I'm supposed to be on a Morley's boycott. Oh, how convenient. But since I've been on a Morley's boycott, I reckon I've probably eaten in there four times, so I'm not doing very good. Right. <laughs> well, it was. It, it's not my fault they put 
Morley's sponsorship on a Brighton shirt on a mural somewhere, but maybe get over it. But yeah, injury after injury after injury end up in... Uh... Again, is, that, is this the Marathon March you're talking about? <laughs> <laughs> it could also what be Kevin Miller's book as well. <laughs> Continuing to tick every box. <laughs> no, uh, but in in one of the groups, one of the WhatsApp groups, I'm in. I'm trying. I'm trying to find the message in it where uh, someone jokes before the game with all these hamstring injuries. Um, when can Jeff Schlupp take one for the team? <laughs> and hey ho, it's I did. <laughs> I did something very similar. Uh, I'm in. Uh, I'm in a, a palace group with a few people. And I said, ironically, this was at twelve forty-one of, of the morning of the of the afternoon of the game. Ironically, the most unfit-looking and playing guy in the squad, Jeffrey Schlupp, plays every game. And at the time he got injured, it just got quote tweeted at me. <laughs> so sorry, sorry, Jeff. That's yeah. on me. <laughs> yeah, this was. Uh, yeah, why can't Schlupp take a hamstring for the team? And then immediately, you know, everyone's like, "Oops!" Quote tweeted it. <laughs> all over the place one on Grant could work I mean it's not the sort of depth we can really lose but here we are and Gyro had to go off as well but do you think that's going to be much like us in the marathon march just it's a bit too much just needs a bag of jelly babies after playing for like 20 minutes in five years 75 minutes he was just literally had, he was literally carried off yeah he thought, <laughs> oh, he, th- he thought football games were 15 minutes long he's not used to this <laughs> Rumours are that he sicked up in the toilet. <laughs> I'm going to be very disappointed if you don't sick up in this marathon march, Albert. Is that not? I was going to say that's called doing an Albert, isn't it? He was in the bathroom yeah. doing an Albert. Yeah, lying down <laughs> on the floor, having mm. been sick. I don't know why people, just, people just seemingly come in and go about their fucking business, ignoring the ignore, ignoring Ste- the just <laughs> step over you. you literally, yeah, yeah, literally. <laughs> we'll try we'll try not to do that this time <laughs> oh mate but, but any still thought any thoughts about why it might have happened no i've just googled post exercise vomiting just to see if there was um <laughs> you know i mean it's, it happened five years ago but obviously it's become it's become relevant now because i'm scared of it happening on saturday and it says there's something called uh, exercise-induced hyponatremia. It's an electrolyte imbalance caused by massive sodium losses during and followed by exercise with low sodium fluid intake. So what I'm... Low sodium it seems to be the cause. So what I've taken is that I need to stop for a bag of chips um, every <laughs> now and then on the marathon march. Yeah, but as I say, <laughs> really happy with a point from Forrest. <laughs> And yeah, ended up like properly out out after it. Not not like Albert's forest mate out out who <laughs> didn't turn, <laughs> didn't turn up for work on the Monday, and the game was, was on poor. Saturday. He was poorly. <laughs> he was definitely poorly. <laughs> um, yeah, we were we were in the victory after the game until you had to trek off back to Watford for yep. the last last trains and that. Um, yeah, we were standing in the garden at ten p- well nine thirty p.m. in t-shirts. Glorious weather for October. Yeah, it was lovely, wasn't it? Very nice. I did have a jacket on. I did have a jacket on, but I'll take your point. Well, I had a t-shirt on. Mm. We had um, Penny deliver the leftover pies from the vice president's lounge. Yeah, a little back- nice. backhand pie. That was nice. Thank you very much, Penny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then went off to the Portland and the yeah, and then Morley's and made friends with half Italian, half Croydon bloke, and his two Spanish mates, all Palace fans. Sat, I sat in Morley's for almost an hour from like half twelve to like half one in the morning. Your boycott really isn't going well, is it? <laughs> no. Like you, it's not even a oops, oh fuck, oh shit, sorry, I've bought it now. It's sitting in. Yeah. Very I was kind of very drunk by this stage so i can't remember their names to shout them out i know one was called victor so shout out to victor moses 
no, it wasn't Victor Moses, no. Um, but yeah, so shout out to Victor. Um, really good chat with those boys. Yeah, the the, the, Ita- the Italian, half Italian, half English guy. Very Italian sounding. Um, so, oh, so who's your Italian team? He's like, I'm a Palace fan. <laughs> my mum yeah. my, my was into Take football. She's from England. <laughs> Take <laughs> note. Yeah, you don't need an Italian team. I'm trying to work out what Terence would be in it as an Italian name. Terencio. You wish. <laughs> He's thought about it clearly. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Oh, Could it be Terencio? Uh, uh, I don't know. I haven't got any more. Terrio. Terrio. Mm. Terissimo. <laughs> Wow. Not that one. Not that, not that one. Oh, rolls off the tongue, that one. Christ. <laughs> Tellissimo. Mamma mia. <laughs> mm. uh, right. <laughs> We're going on a walk, guys, for 26.2 miles. Point Marathon. two? Point I two. Up, I didn't sign up to the point two. Hang on. <laughs> 26 dead on. Uh, which is a... Anti-clockwise loop around South London, basically. That doesn't do much for my OCD. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> too, is it too late to go the other way? It is too late, I'm afraid. Ah, oh, fuck's sake! I walk back. We'll meet you in the. We'll meet you in the middle if you do that. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. We'll just step over him as he's yeah, vomiting we'll, at the food stop. <laughs> I was going to say we'll be in. The, we'll, we'll see. Go go for a piss in the pub, and you'll be there on the floor, trying your best. Mm. So, obviously, this is, for me and you, Heskiff, this is our first marathon march. Yeah. Albert's been regaling us with stories of how well he's won and only marathon march went. Mm. But you got round, you made it, right? Yeah, yeah, it's fine. You know, and like I say, you you haven't lived until you've sicked up a litre of LucasAid Sport. (laughs) And when you got to, did it end at Sellers that day as well? No, this is this, this is the, the the good old days when it ended up in central London. Oh, that's nice. Where did you end up? Being uh, like just off Trafalgar Square. I can't remember where it was. I was just hard life. But um, the the worst bit about it was uh, I don't know what it. What, yeah, the what were they called? Was it the Football Lads Alliance? Yeah. Those fuck faces, they were on some sort of protest in uh, central London at the same time as the marathon march sort of getting towards the end. And obviously everyone's in like palace kit, kit and obviously they're all in football kit as well. And there was lots of like, yeah, go on lads. And like lots of encouragement from those dickheads. So uh, that was uh, but too out, too out of breath to sort of do anything other than just be like, <laughs> as you walk past. Maybe so, that's, I think I found the reason why you were sick, mate. Potentially. <laughs> Yeah, all over them, hopefully. Mm. Been, um don't know why this has led me here, but I've been watching the David Beckham documentary on Netflix and um, the effigy makes it into the documentary, which was on Portland Road in South Norwood. Oh, was it? Oh, mm. What was in the um, the 98 effigy? Yeah, that's the one. Oh, wow. I need to know which Beckham effigy you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> it's the 98 vintage. <laughs> ah, thanks for narrowing it down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was, um, yeah, you go up, you got to get past the Portland Arms, I think. Yeah, just past the Portland Arms. There was another pub on the right. It was something pheasant, pleasant pheasant or something. It's, it's now a Morley's. No, it's not a nice. The, it's called the Rising Sun now. So I think it's a restaurant of some kind now. But yeah, yes, yeah, so that's where it was. And they had they, the geezer who was being interviewed about it, whose pub it was, who hung it up there. It might might have been on that Football Lads Alliance march. <laughs> is he in the documentary? He is. Yeah. Well, it's an old video clip, obviously. I was going to say what they 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 found, they, the they found him, him like. Twenty five years on, yeah, yeah. Weirdly dating Rebecca Lou's now. How bizarre is that? <laughs> uh, I, I, if if you haven't watched it, advance warning. To be fair, she she did wank off pigs, didn't she, on TV? So 
<laughs> what was that on? The shit like some niche Channel Five reality what? TV celebrities go farming. And I was—I seem to remember Richard Blackwood had his hand up a horse's ass or something at the, at the same time. We don't need it's to not a fever it. dream. It's not a we fever dream. I was gonna, we don't need to say allegedly here, do we? This actually happened. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Fine, the, the, this is Albert's notepad after deliriously vomiting everywhere after the walk. He's like, ideas yeah. for a TV show on Channel Five. <laughs> It's, it's either peak reality TV or the nadir of reality TV, depending which which way you're coming from. I don't know what way the pig was coming from. <laughs> oh, dearie me. Whichever way it was, everybody lose. but all in all um i think ending up at sellers is a bit nice it's a bit nicer getting to do a lap around the pitch at the end bit of a little shindig after in the director's box yeah i've always wanted to throw up in the uh, home dressing room (laughs) (laughs) Mm. yeah that that would be good doing the little lap at the end that would be sort of the thing well, I don't know. I'm going to say it's the sort of thing that sort of drags you across the finish line, but who knows if I'm even going to make it there. Yeah, we'll see. How's training been yeah. going? Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. Walked to, walk to the walk to the shop and back today. Took me about, <laughs> oh, I don't know, a good eight minutes. Excellent. Yeah, it's going fine. It's going fine. I've, listen, I bought compression tights, man. We're, we're all good. <laughs> Albert's uh, dibs not carrying Heskiff when he can't walk after eight miles. No, he's already volunteered Vanessa, so... Yeah. <laughs> oh, of course, she can just deadlift him the whole way. Yeah, I, I found out... Eight, well, A, I found out what deadlifting was because I've <laughs> never even been in, close to a gym. And then I found out how much she can deadlift, and it's more than I weigh. So piggyback for... Yeah, as long as necessary, really. As long as necessary. <laughs> okay. Piggy back. Just checking. Piggy back. Back. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> Just checking. Yeah. Um, one of the things we talk about with uh, Bobby and Emma after this is other ways that you can get involved in supporting the foundation. And one of them is, you know, the match day kit auctions that happen from time to time. Um. Do you reckon anyone would be interested in buying our March Day kit after? <laughs> what, as in the, what we've worn? The yeah, exactly. soiled. I'm thinking like worn. your £40 boxer shorts, for example. That's an OnlyFans, that is, for 100% sure. <laughs> Someone can have them now. They're rubbish. I'm not wearing them. <laughs> You're not wearing them? Commando, is it? No, no, I'm oh. no. I, I bought, I bought them. They're no good, and I've gone for an, an alternative, cheap product. But obviously, the returns policy on a pair of boxer shorts, regardless of how much they are, is null and void. Having worn them, so I'm stuck with them. <laughs> Never going to wear them, but I'm stuck with them. If anybody wants them, they can have them for free. One careful owner, hand wash only. <laughs> Oh, I'm thinking about doing the walk commando. Ouch. I'm definitely not thinking of you doing the March commando. I I, I wasn't. Unfortunately, now it feels like that of a choice. So what's your your main anxieties about the day, Heskiff? What's got you worried? Um, I'm very unfit. Yes. And I don't want to collapse. Mm. Uh. To be fair, as much as I say, like, I'm dreading it, the fact that there's a group, there's, like, quite a big group of us all doing it together will help um, to sort of, you know, G each other up. And, you know, if you were just doing it on your own, it would be shit and I would definitely not finish. Um, What doesn't help, though, is when I go to work and someone tells me a story about they did, you know, like this multi-day hike in Scotland and... Uh, their shoe got wet and then their toenail fell off. So I guess my worry is I don't want my toenail to fall off. Oh, I thought you, you could say your worry was that you're going to come across their toenail on this walk. 
<laughs> what a mutant toe now that's got here from Scotland. Mm. Um, I mean, that's a yeah, that's a pretty big worry as well. To be fair, if there's mutant toenails, just any kind of rotten toenail is my worry. There you go. Um, and Albert, of course, you've done it before. Do you feel any more prepared this time? Less prepared? More prepared? About the same? Uh, probably about the same. I didn't do much training last time, but I was five years younger. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I haven't done as much prep as I would like. Um, I did like a nine-mile walk about seven weeks ago. And that's been about it, really. Uh, but uh, having said that, I did climb up Snowdonia as well, which isn't that much distance, but it's definitely fucking hard because it's so <laughs> steep. So I'm, and I, you know, I was all right. I was surprisingly okay after that. That's the glimmer of hope that's um, getting me through. Yeah, we talked about Snowdonia on a previous pod, and if 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 I'm not misremembering, you threw a seven year old down down Snowdonia when you got to the top. No, I no 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 no. You just wanted to. No, she was four. Um, <laughs> no, no, I didn't know. We all, got, everybody up that mountain got shown up by this four-year-old girl who just appeared at the top eating a bag of Watsits. Like, <laughs> Lovely stuff. Mm. Well, well done to that four-year-old. Um, yeah, for me, I, f- I feel like I probably should have done more training. I did three walks over 10 miles, um, 12 you've and a half, 11 and 11, 10 and a half. You've done more than me. You've done more than me, right? You're fine. Mm, but the worry the worry being in the last one I did, which was 10 and a half miles, about five miles in, my hip was not in a good place. And about 10 miles in, it felt like my left foot was going to detach from my ankle. So, And that's not even halfway <laughs> through the total distance. So... There is breaks, or there was last time. There is um, like, uh, yeah. So there, are, there are. Um, they get. We'll get more into that in the chat with Bobby and Emma. They they give us a sort of flavour of what the day is going to be like. So there are breaks, but I'm worried that if I stop, I won't be able to get yeah. going again. <laughs> Especially uh, when I did it, there was a uh, there was a, like a a sort of a tea coffee stop in Christ. I don't know where two in common or something. I can't remember. But then, like the main, the main stop was at a pub just over Kew Bridge, and they'd like laid on like full buffet, mm. like pork pie, pate, and it was pate. like what, what, it's like what are you doing? Like just gonna just want to sit here and have this. Like it was the tr- trying to find that sweet spot of being like right, I need a rest. You need to eat something just to like recharge. But then being like. But don't sit here and tuck into it like it's a fucking full on all you can eat buffet. That was that was quite a uh, a fine sweet spot that I probably didn't hit. Mm, yeah, apparently this time it's uh, going to be pasta, which makes more sense for recarving up after a note to self. Bring your own pate this year. <laughs> right. Okay. So let's let's get into the chat with um, Bobby and Emma now. Um, yeah, really, really, really good chat. Was really, really happy with this, how it went, and um, hopefully, you guys will enjoy it. Okay, we are now joined by Bobby Webb, senior fundraising coordinator, and very new to the club, Emma Christmas, fundraising officer. Uh, welcome, guys. Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to join. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, so, um the walk is nearing. Uh, when I signed up, well, the three of us signed up, my uh, other hosts, Albert and Heskiff, um, we were, it's off in the distance. Oh, yeah, we can do that. It's fine. And then slowly it's creeped closer and closer. I've done some training, done some, I walked to Brentford away and was basically that. out of commission for about a week after. <laughs> so it was, it's very difficult celebrating a goal when you've walked 12 and a half miles and you've got knees made of dust, but there you go. <laughs> but of course, it's the seventh marathon march um, and some amazing records have been broken this season already. We had 150 walkers last year, but Emma, it looks like we, we got close to 200 this year. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. so 200 this year. Um, 
We've already raised 56k and um, we're hoping for our target of 100, um, which those donations should come sort of near the end of the week and the day itself, obviously. Um, and yeah, that I mean, last year we managed to raise 76k, so yeah, and hopefully um, some bigger numbers this year and breaking the records. Yeah, amazing. I mean, getting over 76k would be incredible. Getting to 100 would just be fantastic in terms of you know helping you guys along along the way of what you're trying to achieve and um bobby what is in a crux what are we marching for why do why do we all do this meet a seller at around seven in the morning and (laughs) walk a loop around south london yeah yeah on the face of it you're mental if you're doing it um (laughs) it's a great day though um first and foremost it's about having fun um for the people taking part so we want to try and make it as enjoyable as possible it's not a race it's about celebrating crystal palace celebrating palace for life and the local area that's why we made it a south london walk um but yeah our work is is solely based in south london so we focus on all the boroughs under that umbrella working with young people aged um six to 20 uh, 23 24 really um and that's across the board as well it's not just with football sessions that's kind of where we start but a lot of our work is based around um getting people into education getting people into employment stopping people from being bored and, and getting themselves into situations they might not kind of be best for their futures and just trying to kind of harness the power of Palace and the power of sport itself to improve people's lives, give people more opportunities, which they might not think they have being from South London, but giving them the confidence to know that they do have opportunities and, and the skills that will be be able to make them successful in life. Yeah, and the age group you're working in, I think, Emma, I saw some literature you went sent around talking about a third of people in Croydon are aged between you know, a kid age effectively under the age of 24 which is you know much higher than other boroughs around so it's, it's really important that we sort of get in and, and touch on those minds. Yeah definitely um, and yeah so we're working in four boroughs but our main one Croydon um, is where most of the work is needed and some I think it's 19% of uh Croydon's children are living in families affected by income deprivation and so that work is crucial and it's just carrying that out and like like Bobby said just putting them on a better path and keep them away from things like crime and route to employment and yeah yeah I mean I I would say me and my wife earn pretty decent salaries and we we are struggling financially with the cost of living crisis and don't think how it's going on. I you know how I grew up in a very poor household. I I wouldn't know how we'd cope in the current circumstances, and you can see how things can go awry very easily. And unfortunately, in Croydon, it's a far too common story. Um, just this weekend at Sellhurst in the Nottingham Forest game, we had a minute applause at the beginning of the game, and then twenty five minutes in had a. Uh, you know, a banner went up from the HF talking about going against knife crime. And um, sadly, we had Eliane who lost her life on her way to school in the morning. Um, and, you know, this really touches me because having a daughter living in Croydon who, you know, could very well be going to the same school that this girl went to. Um, it, you know, worries me and concerns me. But it, I do feel comfort in seeing, you know, how your work could touch on the minds of youngsters in the area so Bobby could you talk about how in, in we go into schools and try and change the mindset definitely yeah that that event shocked us as a foundation as it as it shocked the the whole community I think um and yeah a lot of our work is targeted around kind of early prevention of of knife crime or, or crime as a whole like like I touched on earlier staying keeping children away from areas they don't they shouldn't be giving them something to keep their mind occupied either get like I said getting them into further education or, or employment so they're not bored or, or looking for other ways um, to kind of make money or anything like that um, but yeah like you said getting into the schools as early as possible and just teaching them the young people in the area the best practices the, the kind of best ways to be safe how to respect other people through the prism of sport I think is so powerful because um, everyone understands football, everyone understands the kind of um, the team building nature that that sport kind of provides, and being able to deliver that to the young people as early as possible and as often as possible. And again, kind of how you touched on as well with the kind of the the poverty and the um, the low incomes that unfortunately a lot of families having to struggle with during the cost of living crisis. Offering those services for free, I think, is massive. 
Um, and like I said at the very beginning, even if it's just a free football session for an hour and a half where some young boys or girls can get away from any stresses or any worries that they have and just play football with their friends can make a huge difference to their week and, and their lives as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as a kid growing up, there were youth clubs everywhere. And then I've just slowly seen them eroded away over time to the extent now they're just non-existent effectively. And um, it, it seems a sorry state of affairs that is, you know, Palace for Life Foundation and other things that are, you know, having to create these events for kids and that there's not any help coming from central government in that, particularly in Croydon, where, um, you know, funding's been cut for a decade now and left us in a big state. Yeah, well, I find that or we find as a foundation a lot of the time um, it is local organisations or the police, for example, coming to us and, and asking us to support. And that's where we can then provide our expertise and, and put on our um, our most important and most um, impactful sessions in particularly challenged areas or if there's a um, something that's kind of built up over a, a matter of time in a certain area of South London. And like you said, the council or the local youth organisation can't cope with it. We're there to step in and help and support and and kind of build that area back up again, as it were. Mm. Yeah, so obviously it's not just the Marathon March as fundraising goes. I mean, of course, all the links will be out accompanying this podcast, so please go and sponsor me, um, or Albert or Heskiff, whichever one of us you prefer, uh, and try and help us get to our targets and hit the 100K that we're trying to raise at the Palace for Life Foundation. Um, there's some other ways as well that we can do some fundraising, Emma. So uh, particularly, Seller Superdraw is well known to most Crystal Palace fans who attend the match day. Uh, so uh, proceeds of that are going to the foundation now? Yeah, yeah. So um, a lot of people probably remember um, the physical tickets, old school selling, and it has gone online since the pandemic. Um, but we're really trying to work on that now to bring in some big uh, special prizes we recently had um, two hospitality tickets, but we've got a few more that we're going to release soon. Um, so, yeah, that, that's sort of one of the ways we can do it. Um, but, but there's so many ways to get involved. We've got other challenge events. We've got Bike2. Um, and we've got just in general supporting or volunteering um, or just getting involved in other ways. You don't have to donate. Um, if you can't, there's always, you can always share. You can always do something that can just raise awareness. Mm. yeah and you've got um i know some people are coming in from the outside just sharing their life experiences and expertise in areas they work and so on yeah. it's a really good ways to get involved and of course palaceforlife.org is your place that you go to if you if you want to get involved um now there's also raffles that you've been doing now this is going to sound really like i'm i'm spoiled or something but i entered a raffle and i won a raffle and bobby so kindly because i couldn't be on there to, on the day at sellers to collect the prize hand delivered it to my house it was in a beautiful box lovely delivered lovely chat with bobby of course it was all amazing and my mate also won a beautiful signed shirt by the whole team which he now has framed and pride of place on his living room wall i opened mine it was an extra large youth 16 17 shirt which I think I can only describe as a, an abomination and probably the worst Palace shirt of all time. I, literally, my mate's been ripping me ever since. Every time like he points at his signed, look, look at this lovely thing. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Um, even my daughter went, I'm not wearing that. <laughs> <laughs> Did you find it tucked down the back of the sofa or something? Yeah, no, we had some <laughs> unbelievable prizes in that drawer. We had, um, we had a signed Steve Mundanda shirt. We had a signed Loic Remy shirt. We really found. You had some boots as well. You had some pretty good boots going in there. Yeah, a pair of Alexander Sorlot's boots as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like there were some real, real old school names coming out the out the woodwork. Um, <laughs> that was great. Like for, for yourself supporting mm-hmm. it. Um, I think we we raised around about a thousand pound for that, and then the same again for the preseason draw on the the warm up tops that we we raffled off. Um, and we're hoping to do a couple of those each year because it's I think what is it five pound for a ticket? Yeah. Um, you might win a, a sixteen seventeen youth ticket. <laughs> you might win a signed shirt from the whole club. So yeah, no, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a lovely idea. I think it definitely um, trying to find you know those those things and you know getting the club to sign them and whatever is a really good way to raise some money. And I'm sure that will just build as more interest grows um, and so on. Yeah, no, exactly. It goes back to what you were saying as well before about making affordable as well because we have auction, we have a, a match worn shirt auction um, and some of those shirts go for kind of seven eight hundred uh, eight hundred pound up to a thousand pound a shirt 
Um, but we want to make these kind of prizes affordable and, and an option for every fan as well. So the raffle is a great way of doing that. Yeah, I'm on all the match worn ones. I'm always, always bidding on the Jordan IU ones. Um, <laughs> Because what you what you won't know is that my daughter's middle name is Jordan after Jordan Ayew. Oh, brilliant. Which was which was because she was born on the second day of lockdown. And leading up to it, we just me and my wife couldn't agree on a name. And of course, Jordan had scored three in a row, including the winner at Brighton. He scored the last goal before we went into lockdown and there was no football. Yeah, so yeah. as a holding pattern, her name was Jordan as kind of a joke. <laughs> and then when it came around, my wife was like, we should just do it as a middle name. Yeah, so yeah. he so scored in the first game back as well, didn't he? At Bournemouth, he did at Bournemouth. Yeah, yeah. so he went four and four. Um, unfortunately, we failed to score in a lot of games after that. <laughs> but, yeah, so I'm always been on the Jordan ones, but yeah, I always get blown out of the water. But that's obviously amazing because it's raising great amount of money for the club, and that's that's brilliant stuff. Um, and if you've got a bit more disposable income, Emma, you can um, invest a club if you want to donate donate over a thousand pounds to the Palace for Life Foundation. Yeah, yeah. So that's sort of. Um... Yeah, we're really de- uh, developing that because it's a bit of stewardship. We had uh, recently an investors club event um, where we got Transfer Lab in to do sort of an exclusive talk um, and the academy director as well. Um, and it's just those opportunities to give back. Um, obviously, we want to give back to everyone. And actually, I do, going back to the March, I do think that is a way to um, enhance the community that we've got fundraisers because... <clears throat> Like coming down to that day, you get a lot more out of it than just what you're fundraising for. And that's why we get so many people coming back each year. So it's about trying to give that stewardship and also make these really great events that people can get involved and feel a part of what we're doing. Oh, so if I raise a thousand pounds for the walk, I become an investor. Is that, is that how it works? <laughs> no, too many. We've got so many great fundraisers. We'd have too many investors coming. <laughs> well, that's, I know. Yeah, I know a few people were at that investor event, and um, listeners, you'll know Bob, Bobby is a Crystal Palace fan, and. Um, so we'll go on a little diatribe and talk about Joachim Anderson. And they were saying basically all of the stats just showed how incredible he is. And I think that's translating this season in even all the way down to fantasy. He's the top scoring defender. Definitely. Yeah. It's one of the ones where he passes the eye test, doesn't he? With his, obviously his long passing, but generally. He passes the eye test. He definitely passes the eye test. (laughs) He really bears out how good his long passing is across the, like compared to every centre-back across the league. So that was really interesting. Um, And hearing from Gary Izzet as well, Mm. kind of the little nuances of, of what goes into making the academy so successful, what their plans are. What the kind of and there was a little bit of chat around the individual players like Jez, for example, coming on at the weekend. Talk and it was funny enough. It was Gary was saying, unfortunately for him, the the kind of area he has to look at is he needs injuries at the moment to to give him that chance. So at the academy, they're trying to plan, they're trying to make sure everyone's prepared. If you get that chance, go and take it. And I think he did at at the weekend. So it, it was kind of the perfect the perfect storm for him. So it's Gary Izzard's fault. He's going around in the light training <laughs> sessions, just humping everyone in the air. That's why we've got so many injuries. But, you know, I mean, Jez coming on is a testament um, to the mentality that they help create in these kids coming through in the in the foundation, because, in the academy, sorry, because, you know, he could have really sunk after that performance at Old Trafford where, you know, obviously the occasion got the better of him. He came up against Amrabat, who's, you know, had an incredible World Cup, is a great footballer and is is a big, strong guy. But for him to come straight back in, get back on the horse and perform in the way he did was pretty impressive. Definitely, yeah. And and, and that is actually, like you, you kind of touched on there, it's one of the things we're looking to kind of instill in our foundation um, participants as well, is that resilience and <laughs> taking your chance, etc. Uh, and we had the, just one quick success story, actually. We had um, recently, we've started up our own... Um, kind of elite player centre for young girls in the local area. And that's mm. now linked with the club um, for their PDC, their performance um, training sessions as well. And we had one one young girl called Molly, who's come through one of our PL kick sessions, moved on to our elite training plan, and is now working with the club, with the girls' academy as well. So those small steps are available all the way, even from the very beginning at the foundation, um, to, to kind of link up with the club, which is great. Yeah, it's, it's, it is amazing. I was at a talk a few years ago and um, 
Angel, who's a big success story for the foundation, um, did a talk there and she, you know, talked about her steps through all of the way of like, you know, initially not even, you know, coming to a couple of sessions and then binning it off and then, you know, just being encouraged to come back and continue support despite her, you know, seemingly losing interest. And then, you know, she talked about how the the foundation fully impacted her life and changed the like trajectory of her life so um you got any more success stories yeah well angel for for one is is yeah unbelievable like you said was was kind of struggling at, at first with with coming to sessions nailed nailed down the sessions came to every session from then on became a volunteer and then we've helped her get her coaching badges she's become a coach with us full time and now she's a mentor kind of mentor in the next generation which is like the perfect linear plan for us in terms of bringing someone through helping them and then them giving back um we've got another similar one with abdullah as well from our asian engagement session get involved um again had real low confidence didn't like speaking in big groups came along to the sessions playing football make, made new friends etc um and loved it so much and kind of built his confidence up so much he I, similar to Angel, became a volunteer. Now he's a full-time coach on the Asian um, engagement session, inspiring the next kind of generation um, of young Asians in the local area. And even when, I don't know if you remember a few months ago when the Pakistan floods happened, it was him and a group of his friends from our session, separate to us, set up their own tournament, um, put on a fundraiser to, to raise money for the Pakistan flood appeal. So we couldn't be prouder of the work Abdul has done um, and, like I say, it's kind of been a joint venture from then on working together, which has been great. Yeah, and it's wonderful. It's just, you've said higher up in the piece, it's the power of football and the, the effect that it can affect and impact that can have on people. Um, and, you know, f- for me and you, Bobby, as Palace fans, it's to see Palace be able to do this now is amazing. We've always done amazing work in the community, but for years, many years, we were just a small afterthought club in London, really, where, you know, obviously 10 years in the Premier League has changed the landscape probably of Palace in South London. You see a lot more kids walking around in Palace shirts than, you know, before it always used to be Liverpool or Manchester United, but now it's actually Palace fans in South London, which is what you want to see. But um, it's important that the foundation isn't intrinsically linked to Crystal Palace being in the Premier League, right? We need to continue to, you know, support the foundation, even if relegation should occur. Definitely. Yeah. That's kind of nail on the head kind of stuff there because, events like the Marathon March become even more important then because uh, as much, like I say, as great as our work, in, as work is and as much work as we're doing, which, so we've got 50 full-time staff at the moment working out in the community, delivering those sessions, we are quite heavily reliant on Premier League funding to, to kind of keep that going at that level and funding is the key to everything at, at, as a charity. So, yeah, these events like the Marathon March or taking part in the bike event, if you can raise £1,000, £5,000, if you can donate... £50, whatever it is, will make a huge difference because all that money goes into us being able to deliver, being able to provide more sessions, bring on more members of staff, more mentors, um, book more venues, buy more equipment, everything that you need to keep delivering those sessions. Mm. Every donation literally does help. Yeah, lovely. Um, So... Emma, let, let us give you a little history of some things that, that have taken place at halftime at Sellers Park down the years. So we used to have the Mitsubishi Halftime Challenge, which you basically had to they'd cover the bottom third of the goal and you'd have to kick a ball from the halfway line into the goal somehow. Um, <laughs> so My dad actually did that. Oh, really? Oh, my goodness. I must have been six or seven. Me and my dad on the pitch at halftime was like, the greatest thing and he he because i think you had to start you started on the penalty spot yeah it's like sort of penalty edge of edge area edge of d yeah. and then and it was like, half, i think yeah. you won like 50 quid then you won um a test drive of the car and then you won <laughs> a test drive yeah it was it was the Mitsubishi. and then then it was the whatever the second to last one was you got the car for a week yeah. and then if you got it from the halfway line you you got the car and he, he got all of them except the halfway line one. So we had this Mitsubishi for a week. <laughs> but it was like, for me as a kid, seeing my dad on the pitch was just like... Yeah. Oh, okay. But it was nuts because how you'd get onto the pitch, Emma, was there'd be, you'd buy a match day programme and there'd be a number in there. And basically you knew if you were in the draw because there was a sticker basically over the number. So they just randomly put in programmes. And I know that because I got the sticker once, but you're not the only sticker. So you then end up in like, 10 to 12 people 
yeah. in the corner of the pit and then they'd like you know you draw straws and whoever won it go out and you know half the time it'd be people couldn't even kick the ball half the field <laughs> so um so i'd be fully up for some iterations of that coming back there was on my shed son yeah where you had to lob the ball into a hole in the roof in a shed and <laughs> yeah. you'd win the shed <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like bullseye back in the day you know you'd, you'd win a speedboat and like who, who's ever got time to go out of a speedboat <laughs> yeah that kind of stuff but yeah no brilliant stuff so yeah think of some like halftime games to raise some money everyone buys a raffle ticket you get a chance of doing the mitsubishi halftime challenge yeah, 2023 rehash <laughs> imagine one of the prizes being win a test drive that is just one test drive lucky (laughs) lucky my dad got the next one so he got the car for a week don't know what they even did with it they already had a car so no idea (laughs) incredible incredible right let's move on to the walk so (laughs) (laughs) there's 100 so 196 people which is the new record we've got going on to it but always there's been patrons that's joined in down the years i'm incredibly impressed to hear that mark bright is doing it for the 100% 100% attendance rate, seven out of seven. And if I'm not wrong, he's had a hip replacement, hasn't he? Like he had some major hip surgery at some point, sort of 10 years ago, I seem to remember. Yeah, well done. And he, on top of um, R7, he did the Jeff Stelling prostate mm-hmm. cancer march last <laughs> month as well. So he's getting yeah. the miles in. Yeah. So Emma, who else is joining the walk this year? Uh, Who we we might have heard of. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So we've got AJ doing it, um, Eddie Izzard. Uh, We're going to try and get um, our DS Eagles to hand out medals again like we did last year. Um, But yeah, it's it's sort of on the day. Hopefully there might be a few people, but (laughs) we don't want to sort of confirm just in case. So yeah, it's that that experience that people obviously like and – just getting to walk with their heroes and that sort of mm-hmm. a major part of it and a major selling point. Yeah. And is, is Eddie joining in person this year? No, no. So virtual again, but oh, another remote one. Nice. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, they've done some incredible stuff marathon wise, running multiple marathons day after day. So it's a stroll in the park for Eddie. Yeah. Well, <laughs> when Ed, I think she took part, three or four years ago whichever the one during covid was that we managed to get on and did it in london walked it said it and they said it was more difficult walking it for them than mm. running because they're used to kind of ticking along in a run yeah the extra kind of two and a half three hours of walking was just so much yeah. harder for a body yeah it's a completely different thing in, in your yeah. mind because there's I'm, I'm i wouldn't say i'm a huge runner in i'm not a runner at all no i won't say huge i am not a runner but there's there's points when i'm walking where it's just like i just have this urge to just i just want to run for a bit like just shake my legs out a bit speed it up a bit but yeah i've been i mean i think the mistake i've made in all the walks i've been doing is doing it at a fast pace so i've all of them i've done which have been i've done three now which have been around the 12 mile mark i've been doing it over four miles an hour and whilst I've, if I keep going I can maintain that pace but as soon as I start my body like closes down so I think I need to trim some speed off for it yeah, like, yeah. It's not that it's just not that I'm trying to race it I'm just trying to you know get it done you know as much fun as it'll be walking around um you know it's, it's hard enough sometimes spending an hour on the podcast with Albert and Heskiff you know, walking, <laughs> walking with them for eight hours might might send me do lally to be honest yeah, you can <laughs> hopefully make those, they won't listen back to this <laughs> <laughs> loads of other friends along the way just ditch them mm. at whatever point you want yeah absolutely so um yeah so th- there's a few people i know doing it and so on so uh i think the number one f- fundraiser at the moment is mark yeah um, yeah me, me and mark met several years ago on a train to an away game and then just weirdly for about four away games in a row ended up at the same table every time on the train and um he i mean he, i think he's my he might my be my biggest donator i think so fair play to him as well raising a He's my biggest hero, basically. On the his, his fundraising is is un- unbelievable. Every event um, mm-hmm. he's taken in my time here, he's done both marathon marches to be his third one with since I've been here. Done both of the bike events, hoping to get him for this year's bike event too. So, he's, um, What's the, where's the bike event this year too? 
So it's likely to be Wolves. Um, mm. we're, we'll probably be announcing the final event after the Marathon March, a couple of weeks after. Let the Marathon mm. March breathe for a bit. Um, and then we'll be all geared up towards next year's bike event. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, br- br- brilliant stuff. I mean, I'm just in awe of people doing that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, if, if you look back a few years ago, I mean, there was a guy... Uh, Richard, I think it was Richard Kingdom was his name, who cycled to every single Palace game there Steven. and back yeah, for the yeah, whole yeah. for the whole. Oh, Stephen, sorry, yeah, yeah, Stephen yeah. Kingdom, he's incredible. Um, he's done both the bike events since I've been here as well. He did Bournemouth before me as well, and I'm, again, hoping to have him again for Wolves. So yeah, Stephen's been unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, we we sort of played around with the idea a few years ago before Stephen did that, and we were saying, oh, we'll cycle to. I think it was probably Sunderland, I think, or Newcastle away. And then all of a sudden he came out and was just like, I'm going to cycle to and from every game. We were like, oh, <laughs> okay. I mean, um, diminishes us trying to struggle to Newcastle across like a week or something. <laughs> Once. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, so amazing stuff. Amazing. Uh, so there we go. So Mark, Mark Bright, is Mark Bright joining AJ and... Um, Eddie Izzard and then hopefully a few others we might find yeah. out on the day. Without getting political, we've also got the Conservative Mayor and Councillor Alyssa Fleming taking part, who's Labour. So we've got a red and blue, mm. red and <laughs> nice. blue connection there. So I don't know if they're going to race or what, but they'll both be taking part Ooh. too. Yes. Oh, Mr. Mayor, I might yeah. be bending your ear. <laughs> I'm going to find you on the way. <laughs> uh, yeah, I live in SE25. Let's have a discussion. <laughs> so unfortunately, you guys are working, so you can't do the walk. Emma, you, you, can, you, can, knock, you can knock it out with ease, I reckon. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think I'm going to be very, very impressed when I sort of see everyone. Um, but, you know, I might do it one day. I feel like I'm going to have to eventually to get the full experience. <laughs> And some of your colleagues will be taking part? Yeah, yeah. So we've actually, I think we've got um, nine, about nine doing it, um, which is amazing. So uh, we haven't forced them either, which is, <laughs> they're actually doing it <laughs> of their own accord. I'd, um, I'd recommend as well, for anyone listening that's taking part or, or going to be there on the day, chatting to our staff taking part as well, because they're all our coaches, mentors, like I said before, who can tell you in even more detail than, than Emma or I, about the work they're doing, the success stories they've had, the impact they're having. So definitely get try and bend their ear as well. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so talk us through the day. What, what sort of, how does it start? What, what happens on your typical Marathon March day? Yeah, so like you said earlier, arrival around 7, 7.30. Everyone get registered. We'll put on breakfast for everyone. So bacon, sausage rolls, um, vegan sausage rolls as well. Uh, a bit of porridge, that kind of thing. Teas and coffees. Then we'll have a photo in the director's box, everyone together, um, and head to the, the start line for around 8. We, we like to get everyone set off by 8.30 in the morning so that they're on their way nice and early. And then across the day, we've got the route is all all kind of mapped out and, and signposted along the way. Um, we've got a couple of, we'll have a couple of like back marker walkers as well, just to keep everyone um, together as much as possible. Uh, and then along the route, we've got four different stops. So, the first stop will be, um, I think it's kind of Clapham Way, uh, and that will be uh, your classic energy bars, um, cereal bars, a few flapjacks, that kind of thing, some some more hot drinks. Um, stop two will be more of a water station, so that will be just north of the river. We're just going literally the road that goes along Chelsea, essentially, at the bottom of the, the top of Battersea, uh, and there'll be a, a water station there. And then as people come back down um, through Wandsworth, and heading back towards Wimbledon, They'll, that will be where the lunch stop is this year. And that will have um, warm pasta. Uh, we'll put some warm soup and bread as well for, for anyone. I think it's pesto pasta, which is it's really nice. Uh, and then a few sandwiches, again, cereal bars, flapjacks, brownies, anything to keep your energies up. We normally get the fizzy drinks out there, a few Cokes and Fantas as well to keep people going. And then it continues on. And I th- I'm pretty sure it's Car Shorten kind of like Beddington Lane this year is the final stop and again that one's more of like a pick up and go again fizzy drinks flapjacks brownies keep people kind of sugars up for that last little push along kind of Croydon and, and back up to to Sellhurst then when you cross the finish line as, as Emma said we'll hopefully have the DS Eagles there to hand the medals out that was my favourite part last year and I think a lot of walkers love that um, and then for those that are willing and, and want to there's a lap of the pitch as well um, with the medal which is <laughs> <laughs> it's tough, but I would I would definitely recommend it. It's at that kind of like twilight time when 
the light, the sun's going down. We've got the LED boards on around Sellers, and it's just it's it's almost a bit emotional actually. When people are finishing, it's great, and you can have a little sit down in the in the dugout, um, a few photos, that kind of thing with your medals, and then it's into uh, Malcolm Allison, the um, hospitality lounge upstairs, where we'll again we put on full food spread of food, burgers, chips, lasagna, garlic bread, everything everyone loves, bit of cake again, uh, and we got a DJ as well again this year, which was was great last year because. Um, the walking women's football team in particular absolutely love to party at the end of the marathon. So, again, anyone that can still oh, see that, have a good boogie. Nice. That sounds lovely. Yeah, I, um, I might be on all fours crawling around the pitch, to be honest, but I'll, I'll give it a go. We'll just roll you around. Uh, and there's there's nothing like a twilight over Sellhurst at uh, this no. time of year. I was at Forest on the weekend, beautiful sun setting over, over the stadium. You get the lovely pink sky all over you. You get... I've got some incredible pictures from just standing in block B at the homes now, you know, yeah, so yeah. you do get some lovely sights. So any hot tips? I mean, I say you guys haven't done it so much. So I think I need to, it'll be too late on a day reaching out to walkers. <laughs> yeah. No, I think from the kind of experience that I've had in the last couple of years, people doing it, the main one I would say is know your footwear, make sure you're in comfortable footwear because <laughs> shouting out another podcast, actually Jim Bailey from FYP, he did it in new trainers last year. And after about four miles, his feet yeah. were shredded. Um, yeah. So that'd be the main one. And yeah, just make sure you're comfortable more than anything. Footwear, clothing, um, make sure you know what bag you want to take if you want to bring any snacks along for, you, for your own kind of good throughout the day. Um, and just keep keep going. Keep talking about Palace. Keep waffling about half-time yeah. challenges or your favourite <laughs> player from the 96, 97 season, whatever it is, to take your mind off the walking, I think. Yeah. Um, start with Carlo Nash. No. Um, <laughs> yeah. Did, did you? Sorry. Did you say FYP podcast? What was that? Yes. I'll have to. I'll have to give that one a listen. Not Five year plan. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> I know Jim very well. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, got the footwear down. Got. I didn't realise socks could be so expensive. <laughs> but at the same time, I feel like I kind of want to only wear twenty pound socks now. But um, I don't know. They're very lovely, and. Um, yeah, a lot of um, Vaseline. Yeah. We had some wonderful discussions on a previous pod about talcum powder and Vaseline. And it all helps. <laughs> exactly right. So, you know, um, it, it feels great. It, it, you know, 2023, one of the wonderful things is that you can talk about fire chafing as a man. <laughs> you know, it, it, when, when 15 years ago, unacceptable conversation yeah, for men to have. Yeah, <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> so I've got these weird cycling shorts things that sort of come down to your knees. Loads of Vaseline, I think I'll be fine. It'll be so, fine, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sliding down the hills, yeah. With the way my knees are, trying to walk down the hills, it'll probably be a better bet just going down like that and grease myself up and slide. <laughs> okay, so um, guys, I really appreciate you coming on and talking about the foundation and... Um, I appreciate it. it must be extremely busy this week with a march coming up on saturday so really fantastic to have you on us so emma welcome to the foundation yeah, uh, yeah. Month, month in wet behind the ears and we're getting we're dragging you on a podcast <laughs> yeah no it's been really good um and yeah i just want to say a huge thank you to everyone who has taken part this year and who's sort of taken part in the last years as well because it really does make a difference and it makes our job uh really fun being able to meet everyone and get involved in things like this so yeah, thank you for that. <laughs> no, yeah, absolutely echo that. And um, I'm just sorry that it's taken me to the seventh one to get involved. Uh, <laughs> just, I cannot explain how much I hate walking. But, you know, it's really, I've actually really enjoyed the walks. Um, so, I, you know, I've been walking home. I've walked home a couple of times from Paddington all the way to Sellhurst. Oh. And, um, and then, as I say, Brentford away. But, you know, having two young kids... Uh, it's nice to have a couple of hours just to yourself where you can just let everything slide away and just, you know, walk around and, um, yeah, just, yeah, put the podcast on, not, not listening to my own. That would be, that would be weird. Uh, Adam Buxton's been keeping me a company along the way. Adam Buxton podcast is very good. And, uh, uh, particularly, I think to Brentford, I listened to the Holly Walsh one and Holly Walsh is a Crystal Palace fan who actually, I will talk to her about dragging her in next year. Yeah, there's a, there's a few. We've got a few. So Holly Walsh is one. Um, her husband as well. I reckon we can drag him in. He's he's head of comedy at 
the BBC. We'll get him in. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. There's there's a few more around. I reckon I can try and get in. Doc Brown. He's got yeah. no excuses. I know he played in Palisade, yeah, which yeah. is another great fundraising one on the on the beer festival day. Uh, my friend Ben Long scored a cracking goal in that game, and he's still buzzing. Absolutely, like I, I, I wasn't there on the day. I was at, um, I think I was at a wedding or something, and um, I saw the highlights back the next day, and immediately I was phoned him. It's like, what the? <laughs> what? I was like, you must be on cloud nine. He's just like, I can't believe it. I, just, I, can't, I can't believe <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, the crowd went genuinely mental. Couldn't yeah. believe that he'd, he'd finish it like that. Top, yeah. Top incredible so yeah so we'll 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 work on getting a few more names in for next year who can yeah. um you know let's just keep it growing and growing over the time so yeah, if we can get yeah. To 250 that'd be even better amazing yeah absolutely right because then all of a sudden 250 people raising a thousand pound each adds up very quickly you know i'll retire uh so yeah brilliant thank you for joining um the podcast uh will be I think really, really useful in giving more information to people, finding out more ways they can get involved. Cause you always feel like you do all the best comms in the world and still people have never heard of things. So, know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, hopefully this will help to reach out to a few more people and um, yeah, really amazing stuff. And I'll see you on Saturday. Yeah. I heard, I heard the, uh, the panic in your voice there. When you said, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll see you quite early. It is genuine panic from all three of us. (laughs) Okay. Thanks, guys. So welcome back. Thanks again to Bobby and Emma there. Really, really great chat. Um, Looking forward to seeing those guys on the day, even if they're not doing the walk. What is this? Outrageous. Yeah. There are nine members of the Palace for Life team doing the walk. But Bobby and Emma have to work on the day and, you know, basically making sure that we all don't die, I think, and get around. Good luck. Mm, indeed. Um, before we go, this uh, li- li- international break is currently on. Uh, we've got the interesting matchup of Chris Richards going up against Jordan Ayew in USA versus Ghana in a week's time. Mm-hmm. The way things are going at the moment. Chris Richards is going to take out Ayu and injure them both. I imagine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Darren England is going to award a penalty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, who would he award it to? It'd be so confusing that scenario. It'd be like I don't he'd know award it. <laughs> Jordan Ayu would score it, but then Darren England would pull it back for like encroachment or something. Let him retake it, and then Jordan Ayu would miss it, and then Darren England would be like. That's cool. I'm back. I'm back. Yeah. Mm, I'm back, baby. Uh, he's uh, that LinkedIn. Darren England's LinkedIn went down really well. Thanks to everyone who took time to write to us, expressing their joy at the the old, um, what was it? It was this fest. Excellent <laughs> <laughs> stuff. Um, I've been looking at every picture that comes through of, Mark Gay and Sam Johnson, and just being like, wonder how they're injuring themselves in this picture. Yeah, I d- you know, when you see the picture of Sam Johnson like mid dive, I'm like, let- confirm that he got up afterwards, please. <laughs> yeah, it's not spot the ball; it's spot the fracture or yeah. rupture yeah. or yeah. the meniscus tear. <laughs> yeah, whatever yeah. it is. Oh. Spot the spot the ball is you at the bloody walk, isn't it, Out, uh, Albert? Without your boxes on. <laughs> singular or plural well, it depends yeah what, what you heard he's <laughs> uh, not Neil Harris mate come on um, <laughs> God, that's a joke from the 90s if ever I've heard one um, <laughs> but yeah hopefully I mean we've always said we're not massive fans of international breaks this has got to be the most timely of international breaks that Crystal Palace have ever had with the amount of injuries we've had and hopefully it can you know get us back a few players hopefully yeah. everyone can come back fit um, I don't think the first game back we're going to have everyone back but hopefully Lerma, Lerma's getting close for starters which will be good hopefully it'll be decent for the Corey. but yeah 
What do you think, Albert? Is it your most favourite international break of all time? Uh, well, the fact I've got to walk 26 miles halfway through it probably <laughs> might not make that so. Uh, but yeah, it's, de- it's de- definitely much needed. <laughs> It'll be promptly replaced as your favourite international break by the next one when we read the Kevin Miller book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. What's going to be more painful? Who knows? <laughs> I don't know. Having had a flick through, I, I think I'll enjoy it. But um, yeah, we really need, we really need some people back, um, some bodies. Basically, um, I think we'll we'll touch on next time as well whether we're happy or not. So with a season to date, given everything that's happened, um, we're top half of the table. Injuries left and right. Arguably, our best player and in the middle. <laughs> arguably our best player hasn't kicked the ball yet uh, so very very interesting season as always every single Palace season is nuanced as as 12th as it is yeah um, <laughs> until the end when it's 12th <laughs> yeah indeed so uh, look thanks to everyone for listening to this Marathon March special um, if you could our sponsorship links will be all over the socials. Um, Palace for Life as well. You can find us in the team there as Winging It Podcast. Uh, buy us a beer. Fiverr, five, something like that. That's not a beer these days, is it? Buy us a beer, £12.50. <laughs> <laughs> um, job sponsor. We're reasonably close to getting to our targets. Um, I think I'm a couple of hundred quid off mine. Uh, Heskiff, I think you're about the same. And try and help the foundation along to their hundred thousand pound target, which would do absolute wonders for them and everything they're trying to achieve, um, as you've already heard. So, excellent stuff. Thank you to Bobby and Emma for joining. Thanks to Heskiff and Albert for always doing doing overtime on this one. It's all right. We can discuss it more on <laughs> Saturday. Mm, indeed. When who who we got up next? Newcastle. Mm, indeed. Not fun. Yeah. Sycamore Sick Gaptree, not cool. Saudis, no, it's fine. That's why I can never like Eddie Howe. If he ends up at Palace one day, I'd be very upset. <laughs> but um, yeah, so Newcastle up next, which is um, looking tricky on paper at the moment, but we'll we'll see how it goes. So, until next time, up the palace. 